0: You're listening to a podcast New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompa. Yes, 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 New Covenant. We want more than catchy taglines and phrases to define what we do and who we are, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you big time. This is an area where we can do something special, and I'm... I'm putting a goal for us. I think this is a manageable goal. First time out the gate, I'd love to see three, three families, three homes commit to going through the process, becoming foster, foster homes, foster parents. Um, Lord might be talking to you right now and you're going, I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. Well, let's, let's, let's get into God's word. Look, we don't ever want to guilt into doing anything. That's, that's, not, that's not the gospel. That's not what we're about. But we, we want to ap- apply the appropriate amount of holy and godly uh, tension and pressure before us so that we, we, we pull ourselves out of some of the things that, some of the routines and some of the ways of life that just lull us to sleep. And so we're going to continue in our study of Jonah today, and I think there's a lot of applications here from what we're studying today to this issue, to the idea of foster care, because we're talking about compassion. That's what we're talking about. I told you this from the beginning when we started Jonah, that Jonah is a story about compassion. And I told you that when we... Look at the story of Jonah. We're looking consistently through this study for three things. We're looking to see ourselves in the Jonah story, which isn't hard. We'll see it today again. We're looking to see and find Jesus as the better, the true Jonah. And then we're also looking to see God's compassion for his people. And that's an overarching theme throughout this story and so we're gonna be in Jonah chapter three today, and pretty much the whole chapter, and then just the beginning of chapter four, verse one. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read it all. <laughs> I'm gonna have you stay seated this time. Normally we stand up. This one's a little longer. But follow along with me if you're in if you got Bibles, we're in Jonah three, but also gonna have it on the screens for you. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and turn from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly he was angry lord help us help us to be a people who love you and who love your compassion more than anything else help us god Show us, teach us, change us. When we walk out of here today, God, let us be different because of who you are. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Had some really good news this week um, from one of our families. Uh, Renisha Burroughs is, is a single mom in our, in our church, and if you know her little son, Nicholas, Uh, She has a few boys here, Javan and Christian, and and little Nicholas um, has been just battling for most of his life. He's eight years old, and since he was two, um, he has been battling with kidney disease, renal failure, rickets, um, and through just a series of testings since he was two years old, in and out of hospitals, surgeries it has just been very difficult. He has been diagnosed with failure to thrive and and it's just affected so much of his life and and their life. And in the middle of that, Renisha had lost her job and had needed to care for um, her kids and definitely for um, for little Nicholas. And so just through series of events, just a lot of trials, um, there was a, a, a clear path forward. There was a clear diagnosis um, that came uh, you know, several years later, and eventually he was just put on the transplant list because he needed a new kidney. Um, and because they had said that his kidneys were just not growing. Um, and so finally, uh, through a series of just many, many ups and downs, uh, this last or two weeks ago, on May, what was it, May 15th, uh, he, they got the call that they had a kidney form. him, and so he was able to go in, had successful surgery that same day, and there's still some surgeries to go, but uh, w- we, we got a video of just him finishing his treatment and leaving the hospital. Let's take a look. Three times. One, two, three. Oh, hard, hard. Oh. This way, this way. <laughs> this thing is like, Okay, go. <laughs> Yay! One more time! Okay, one more. Keep going! Keep going! Really hard! Come on, let's go! Go! Really hard. Go! It. Go! Do it! Yeah. Yay! Do it again! Do it again! Do it again! No, do it again! Yay! <hairy> Some really wonderful news, and we we love this family, and we're so thankful, and you know the why do i talk about this why i bring this up i mean one because we need to celebrate good things like this when it happens and two these thing these things stir up stuff in us it should what what stirs compassion in you what awakens compassion in your Heart, in your life see God he, he, he calls us to, to be compassionate people that that mercy and love this is not just a piece of, of God and what he's like it's who he is it is it is at his very essence his core he is compassion and he calls us to to be people of love and mercy And compassion but we we find it hard we find it hard for for us to live in that to to find expression for it we see videos like this we hear the bell ring we hear Andrew come up talk about the need of foster care in our in our society in our culture in our city I mean we just looked at Broward County 1154 I mean I don't know if you looked two slots over to nationals half a million Half a million kids, needing refuge, needing safety. Why why is it hard for us to to operate in compassion? And I don't say this like challenging, why is it hard for you? I'm saying, why is it hard for us? As a people, we have trouble with compassion. We just do. And I think it's because there's a a couple reasons why it's hard for us. One, because we define it wrong, okay? Okay. We think if we just have this sad feeling in our, in our hearts that we have compassion, but that's not really compassion. See, compassion is, is bigger than that. It's not just feeling bad for someone. It's, it's taking action also. See, compassion is a, is a deep sadness for, for someone who's hurting and the desire followed by a desire to alleviate that suffering. Right? We we feel it, we, we empathize, we have empathy, and then we also take action. Empathy is just understanding. You're trying to understand what someone else is going through, and then you feel that, and then you take action to go for it. So that's one of our problems. And then the second problem is that we just don't do empathy very well. We just don't. It's getting harder and harder for us. It's hard for us to see others, the, the hurt in others. We think someone else will deal with it. We have our own problems, right? I mean, you start hearing about foster care, you're like, I can't even take care of my own life. Like, how am I going to take care of someone else's kids? I got my own kids that I'm doing a terrible job of. How am I going to bring someone new into them? You know, it's like you're you know you're swimming on the lake and you got weights on your feet and you're drowning, and then someone hands you a child. You know, like it's like, it's tough. Not only do we have our own problems, we have our own. Opinions and biases and beliefs that get in the way and we can start to become really selective. That's terrible. We can be really selective of who deserves our compassion. We, we, we start to draw lines in the sand about who should or should not have compassion. And we don't see We don't see how these things block us. We don't see how some of these things block us from from living in compassion, from growing in compassion. And see, God is wanting us to grow in compassion. That's hands down, for sure, 100%. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to take a poll. I don't have to search through the scriptures too carefully to know that God wants us to be a people of compassion, to see the brokenness around us and be so impacted by it that we Act, and we act selflessly, and we act till it hurts. This is our vision as a church, man, to bring wholeness. It cannot just be this abstract term and idea that when God meets us, when God comes to us and and saves us and makes us whole from the brokenness that existed, we must go forward and out to the world around us To bring that wholeness wherever we go. We need to grow in godly compassion. And Jonah helps us. He's going to help us here. So I want to do just give you three barriers to compassion. And then three ways to overcome those barriers. Three barriers and three ways to overcome those barriers. And let me just give a quick recap of Jonah, because I might, might not remember where we've been. So Jonah, Jonah gets a call from God. God says, "I want you to go to Nineveh right," which was unusual. God usually told the prophets, "I want you to go to our people and tell them that they're screwing up and that they need to get, get right." No He says, "I want you to go to those people, and I want you to tell them they need to get right, they're evil, they're wicked, they gotta, they got to turn." From this. Too much violence, too much ruthlessness. Go back and listen to the other messages if you if you if you need some more context there. Jonah's like, mm, nope, I'm gonna go the other way. I don't like those people. We're we're going the other way. So I'm, I'm gonna get on a ship, go go to the other side of the world, and I'm gonna run from God. And God says, All right, here's you're on the ship, you think you're home free, here's a storm. The storm rocks everybody's world that's on the boat. Jonah ends up realizing this is because of me, says, If you want the storm to stop, throw me over. So Reluctantly, they throw him over, he's in the water, I believe thinks he was going to die, and then the fish, right? And we spent some time last week talking about the fish and the time in the fish, really important time for Jonah, really important time for us to see his response and reaction inside of the fish. In the fish, he seems to get his mind right, recommits his life to the Lord. God says, "All right, spit him out." The fish spits him out. He's on dry land, and here we are. Here we are. He's on dry land. God comes back to Jonah with the original message. Let's try this again. Same words. Go to Nineveh. Call out against them. The message I tell you. And what's really, what you see? It's really interesting. Nineveh is constantly referred to as great, this great city, exceeding city. It's one Hebrew word, gadol, right? And this word, gadol, it it is used nine times up to this point throughout the whole story, not all about Nineveh. Sometimes it was used about the fish, it was used about the storm, but most of it is used about Nineveh, this exceedingly great city. The only other time you see it the only other time you see it is in chapter 4 verse 1 talking about Jonah's anger because he because God showed compassion it said it said chapter 4 verse 1 but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, that's the word, exceedingly. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. All this exceeding, 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 great, great, great city, great storm, great fish, great anger. Because God did what God does. It's, it's funny, this, this, this sentence actually, the way it's really literally phrased, Jonah is saying that what God did was exceedingly evil. Jonah's so upset that God is going to spare these people that he actually calls God's actions evil. And so we have this contrast of the exceeding compassion of God, this great exceeding compassion of God, and the exceeding anger of Jonah. And the question for us, who are you going to align with? Who will we most line up With In your life right now, do you see yourself lining up with the exceeding compassion of God or do you see yourself lining up with the exceeding anger of your own heart towards fill in the blank? It's probably a lot of it, right? I mean, we're all angry at everybody. We're all angry at lots of things. When thinking about compassion... Who do we line with more? I mean, if you're like me, you're just going, what happened to the guy in the fish? He was so good, man. Like, he got it. He sits in there three days. He's like, salvation belongs to the Lord. God, what do you tell me to do? I'll do, I vow. Those who worship vain idols sink with them. They lose their hope in steadfast love. They lose their hope of God's love. (laughs) That was in the fish. And he's on dry land, back, face to face with the realities of his situation. And it's just not done in his heart. It's not done in his heart yet. The real world, face-to-face with God's plan to show compassion to this people, Jonah just can't get it together. He's blocked. God's compassion does not make sense to him. That's this whole series when God doesn't make sense. This is it. This is it for Jonah. Jonah is like, okay, beforehand, he's like, no, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. It doesn't make sense. God sends all this stuff. Fish, all right, it's starting to make sense. <laughs> okay, I, I'll follow you. He gets spit back out, back in the in the. The good life, and all it's all back to the same thing. It doesn't make sense. God, your compassion is wrong. It's exceedingly evil. And so Jonah is obeying. He does what he's supposed to do, but he's hes going through the motions, man. It's like when we tell our kids to apologize to each other, right? If you have a kid and they hit each other, and like, say so you're sorry. You know, they don't say it right away, and then you threaten them, and then they eventually admit and they what does that sorry feel like it's like you know eye rolls and you know barely eye contact and you know you're spending 15 minutes just getting to say one word like, like right we want them to mean it but they just go through the motions i mean this is what jonah's doing it's he's just like okay he's ringing his bell going through the city god wants to show compassion and jonah does not what does jonah want wants judgment he wants judgment he wants justice he wants them to get what they deserve and God is just trying to show Jonah something bigger something bigger about his character his reality back in the fish he thought he wanted what God wanted now that it's back in his face he just can't get on board and I would just say this can you identify with that do you see yourself in Jonah because I see myself in Jonah a lot see myself i see myself not wanting to get on board with what god wants and 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 sometimes the idea of compassion is so much better than the application of it the idea of compassion is so much more appealing than the application of it we're like yes i want to show compassion i want to show compassion and then when it's time to do it we're like mm, not that much So these barriers, they come up, and they block compassion in our heart. They block compassion in Jonah's heart, and they block compassion in our heart. And so what are these barriers? And I I want to get through these. I think they're really important. There's more, but I think these three can help summarize for us what we deal with, what we struggle with in the application of compassion. And I'm going to do it in three C words, okay? So the first one, first barrier to compassion is comfort. Yeah, Boom, right? Like this is it for us. One of the biggest barriers to compassion is the desire for comfort. We will order our lives in such a way so that hopefully we will never get hurt. Right? It's like when we put our kids out on skateboard or rollerblades for the first time or a bike, you know, they're dressed up like they're going to a gladiator show, you <laughs> know, they're just like, helmet, pads, 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 like. All right, have fun <laughs> if they fall they they bounce away nothing hurt nothing happens and i mean we we just don't ever want to be vulnerable we don't we care about our physical comfort, our emotional comfort, our relational comfort, our spiritual comfort we we want we don't we want to come to church, we want to sit and just. Feel good, man. Like, don't tell me to foster today. Like, it's been a rough year. Comfort. We've bought into this lie, this idea of life, that everything should be built to maximize our comfort. And if our main priority is to be comfortable, then compassion will never find its way out of us. It won't. It'll be something less than compassion. You might feel it in your heart, like, oh, see it, I see the need. It will only stay at the emotional level, but it'll never turn into action. Comfort is a compassion killer. I'm, I love comfort, man. I do. And I want it for you. When you come in, I want you to have air conditioning. I want you to have comfortable seats. I want you to have great coffee. I want you to have friendly people in front of you. I want, I want your experience here to be amazing. But not at the expense of you building your life around that because when you go from here, I want you to be so full of energy and passion and desire to do what God has called you to do that you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it all for the sake of Christ. I'm gonna give it all so that, that the world around me will be a better place. So that wholeness will come wherever I go. I mean, Jesus, he, he doesn't give us room for this, right? He says, if, if anyone would come after me, do what? Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. We can't preach this right now, man. It's too much. Anyone would come after me, right? This is like the worst recruiting tool ever. Worst marketing, worst... Like, like I want to draw a crowd. Come deny everything that you've ever wanted. Take up your cross, which is an execution device, and, and carry it on your back with me wherever I go. Jonah didn't want to do that. We don't want to do that, but God is calling us to do it, and it's because it's worth it. It is worth it because God is doing something so big through that denying, through that cross-bearing. He is building a kingdom. He's building a world, a community that is so not focused on the comforts of life, but focused on the life given through his love. To build his people, his world. That's the first barrier. Second barrier is, is conflict. Second barrier to compassion is conflict. Conflict, what do I mean? <laughs> I mean, you're always having an enemy. There's always an enemy, always someone to fight. And I don't mean like The devil, like the big enemy, yes, you can always have him as an enemy. But I'm talking about people, man. Like we're just, we always have someone to fight. Someone's always an enemy. Seeing other people or other peoples as the enemy. You want judgment so badly that you can't see anything else. The room for compassion has been sucked away because you want to fight. You want conflict. You want them to pay. That's Jonah's doing, man. That's what he's, that's that's his life right now, out of the fish, into the enemy's territory, and he's like, y'all gonna be overthrown, y'all going down, that's it. So he says, you will be destroyed. It's his hope. It's hard to, it's hard to show compassion when all you want to do is fight. Jesus came so hard against this. He came so, his, his harshest words were towards the, the people who <laughs> who were the religious leaders the people who had the most rules for everybody to jump through the most guidelines he was so hard on them and they're like why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors and we don't we just let those words fly right off our mouths like sinners tax collectors they were the worst tax collectors he's eating with them he's calling them in he's like he's laying, they're having meals together and like what are you doing? Rabbi, Christian, and I love what he says to them. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy. This is what God desires. This is what he wants from us. He wants mercy. He wants us to be people of mercy so that wherever we go, we are like pouring the mercy of God out onto the world. Jesus hung out with all the people who were looked down on, who were marginalized, who were cast out. Are you someone who just wants to fight all the time and pick a fight, poke the bear, poke the enemy? How's it working? It's good, changing people's minds lately? We talk about this so much through the series all the time. How do you want to be most identified in this world? We only have as much avenues of communication that we have. You know, we have speaking, and then you know, there's all the digital stuff. In all of those areas, are you are you conscious? about the way, what you represent, who you are, what what is coming out. Are people going, man, that that person loves God so much, more than anything else? Because if it's not that, I'd say take a break and maybe reduce the number of communication channels so that that is what then comes out. So that when you are at work and you're actually just speaking to people, they, they see something different in you that you're, that you're kind and merciful and compassionate and that like, oh wow, you've opened up your home, you foster kids, like that's weird. How, why would you do that? Or you, you... And then, then start adding back in some of these other means of communication and instead of just being like, ah, everybody, it's like, communicate some things about who God is. A lot we can say Time is awfully low. The last barrier is maybe the most obvious one, and it's conceit. This is pride. This is self-righteousness, okay? This is Jonah's main issue, right? He saw Nineveh Nineveh as beneath him. He saw Nineveh as beneath uh, his people, uh, r- really beneath God's ability to show mercy. They, they don't deserve mercy who you are, God. They don't deserve your mercy. They don't deserve your love, your kindness. He saw them as unworthy of God's compassion and he saw them unworthy of his compassion. And this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Who are we putting in that category as unworthy of God's compassion, unworthy of our own compassion? There are some people we dislike so much that we can't imagine a world where they change. And we would never articulate that. We, if, like, someone asked you, "like Hey, do you want them to, do you want them to change? Do you want God's compassion poured out on them?" You'd be like, "Yes, of course, but don't ask me to do it. I don't want to be the one. If they change, that's fine. I'm just going to make their life miserable until they change." Look, this is what we call self righteousness, and this is what Jesus came to destroy in us, and we say things like, well, I would never do this, or I would never do that, man, we're so, this is why we're so quick to diagnose everybody else's intentions and their issues, right? Because we've got it figured out, And, and this is why I know you are the way you are because of this, right? So if I'm driving in traffic and some knucklehead comes past me and like cuts me off, I know exactly why he did that. I have it all figured out. It's a horrible person, just hate-filled hearts, inconsiderate, thinking the world revolves around them, no consideration for my safety and what I'm doing. They're probably smoking crack and texting at the same time all while they're driving their car. And that's, that's what goes through my mind as this person has done this. And so then I'm, my heart goes to justice and judgment, like we're the police when you need them and this person needs justice and locked away for the next six months at least. Man, I mean, it's, it's so real. It's so comical, and it's just what happens in our minds and hearts. And maybe I'm alone, okay? I mean, I'm sure you are much better than me, but yeah, this is your pastor. <laughs> we have everyone else's motives figured out, all the while never addressing the fact that I am an absolute mess, and that that person maybe had really good reasons for doing what they were doing. This is the reality for Jonah, the, The Assyrians' eyes were were shut. They were blind to the truth, and God has asked Jonah to go help them open their eyes, and he he wants no part of it. He doesn't want them to see. Do Do we want to see, and do we want others to see who we put in that category as enemy? Jesus comes and rocks our world all over the place. He says, yeah, pray for, you, you think it's great to pray for those, to your, for your friends? He says, I want you to pray for your enemies. You think, you think love is important? You think it's easy? Yeah, it's easy to love people who love you. I want you to love people who hate you. So What do we do? How do we do this? How do we do this right? Man, we have this call for foster care. We have this call for compassion to, to show the world who we are and whose we are. And there's this wrestling match in us and, and we just, we fight because our lives are just so full of other stuff. And so we have to get past these barriers. We have to get, and it may not be for you to foster. I know not everybody in here can do that. I know that. But we all are called to grow in compassion in some way for it to be visible in our lives. So what, how do we overcome these barriers? I'm going to ask Andrew Michelle and to come back up as we start to close. Look, first way to overcome is commitment. Commitment over comfort right? We're going we're to follow Christ. We're going to follow God. We are going to trust him. We're going to commit our lives to him. If there's one thing we can see about Jonah here is he, he actually did what he was supposed to do. He, he obeyed, and he says, right, yet 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown, right? This is the worst evangelistic message ever, right? He does not really, he is not getting the heart of what God's trying to do. He doesn't tell them, look, if you guys change, it's going to be okay, or if you, if you repent, he's just like, sounding off the alarm, y'all are done. He doesn't want them to respond. He doesn't want, he, he hates them. But yet God uses him, his, his proud, his selfishness, his, his comfort, his conceit, is hard for conflict, and, and God uses him. They listen. They commit their lives to hearing God turning from their evil ways, at least for a moment. We know they don't ultimately come to this like national faith in God, but they stop what they're doing, at least for a little while, the Ninevites do. God takes this imperfect message from this imperfect person and uses those words to impact this great nation. God can use you. He will use you. For some of you, God's telling you to foster. He's saying, it's time. You've been wrestling with it for a while. It's time. Will you commit to following the Lord in this? Will it be comfortable? No. Will it be easy? No. Will it be amazing? Absolutely. Absolutely commit your life to following Christ commit your life to doing what he says to obeying him it is hard and scary but but the, what we'll come to see in the next few weeks is that this nation that that Jonah is going to is is huge it's full of people and God loves people and he wants us to love People and to see people as made in the image of God and that there is inherent dignity because of that. And so when we start to push people away for superficial reasons because they are of a different background, a different color, a different race, a different socioeconomic situation because of looks, because of bloodline, whatever, God says, I want compassion from you. The way to do that is to commit. It's also to contact. Contact over conflict. We need to get close to people. It's easy to, to hate people from afar. It's really hard when you're face to face and you actually start to, to think and listen and talk. Right? It's easy online to just like shout out things. It's a whole different story when you're sitting down in front of someone and they're like, here's why I'm upset. Paul tells us. Let love be genuine. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Like this is the call for us. And we could go on and on about this. But to live like this means proximity. It means closeness. It means contact. You can't live in harmony with people if you're just shouting from a distance. You can't do it. You can't rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep because sometimes we see people weeping and we just start yelling, God says, stop. Growing compassion. This is what genuine love is. To live in harmony, it means you are working hard to understand where other people are coming from. You are putting, it's not comfortable, but you're working hard to hear and to listen and to say, man, I I understand. Or maybe I don't understand, but I want to keep talking. I want to keep hearing He says to associate with the lowly. It means that you identify as one of the lowly. See, this is the whole gospel message. We realize that we are so in need. The only way you'll ever identify with the lowly is if you realize that you're one of the lowly. Last one, it's confidence. Confidence over conceit trust in Christ. Let your confidence be in who he is. Jonah's problem throughout this whole story is he doesn't trust God. He doesn't trust that God's way is best. He still thinks his way is the best. His confidence is in himself. And here's the deal. Conceit is all about you. Confidence is all about you trusting your life to Christ, to God. That's the confidence. See, humility, which is what God has called us to, that can match up with confidence. It can't match up with conceit, with pride. Humility comes with confidence in the right place. So the author of Hebrews he tells us: let's draw, let's with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace and find grace to help in times of need. This is where our hope comes from. This is where our hope comes from. We draw near with what? Confidence. Confidence for who God is. Confidence in what he's done. Confidence that he is bigger than all the other stuff. So God's calling you to foster. Have confidence that he'll make a way. God's calling you to to reconcile with some people that that you need to reconcile with of confidence that God's going to do it, that God's going to make a way. We need this, friends. We need compassion because this is what God has done for us when we were lost, hopeless enemies yelling at God, hating God, he pursued us. He came to us. We sang about it earlier. Your goodness is running after, it's running after, it's running after me. That's the gospel message, man. Like we didn't we didn't like put it all together and be like, "Okay, I'm ready. I've I've done it. I'm a good guy now. Come come help. Come help. Come help." No, we were like, "Ah, I don't need you. I'm just like Jonah. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want you. I don't want them." And God says, No, I love you, I love you, I love you. And He followed us, pursued us, and saved us. Do you believe that? Have you put your trust in that kind of love, in that God, in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, today is the day. Put your faith in Christ, believe in Him. Let's stand together, church. We need God to do a work in our hearts to love him more than anything else because when we do that, then that love is going to flow out to the world around us. And God is calling us in different ways to be more compassionate than we've ever been before. Guys, we don't just want to play games, man, where we're coming to church and we have this great experience and then we walk out and we're just angry at the world and not putting anything into, into practice. What is God calling you to do? What's that next step? It might be to trust Christ. And if that's it, that's your first step, that's all you gotta worry about today. If you've already done that, then there is something in your life God is saying, I, I want this and I want you to grow in this. Will you follow me? Will you trust me? Will you put your comfort aside? Will you commit to me? Will you, will you, will you, con- will you connect and commune with other people more? Will your confidence be fully in who I am? Let's pray. Father, we we give it to you, God. We pray that you would do what you do, that that you would work powerfully in us, God, to bring change to the world around us because of who you are and what you've done for us. We love you, Lord. We need you. If there are any in here who have not put their trust in you, God, would, they, would you call them? Would you do that running that, you've been, that you do? Would you run after them and save them and call them to yourself to this wonderful new life? And for all of us, God, would we be so in love with you more than our comfort, more than our our pride, more than anything. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's